Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Jenny right now. I'm going to ask the two, uh, uh, let's see, Ivy, right? Yeah, here we go. Whichever Miss Jenny, Pastor Jenny wants to do first, I'll let her decide whom the first is. So, Amen. And those parents, be ready as soon as it's over if you want to come and take your young lady to uh, the restroom to change. That'll be good as well. All right, we're going to do Miss Ivy first. Next, we have Miss Olivia. Jesus is my life. Anthony here yet, so we're going to invite Zach to come on down. Zach, I'm going to do you a big favor. Come on down here real quick. Thank you. You want to go ahead and take your socks and shoes off, and I'm going to need some real men to help me get him out. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Zach and his family threw an invite um, of the Borstals. You come over here for a minute, buddy. Um, I'm going to save you from sitting in there too long, all right? yeah, don't, yeah. Any, any cash? Any cash you want me to hold for you? Notice he wouldn't give his wife the cash, just the candy. So, uh, but this family, I know I can't, I'm not trying to embarrass you by doing it, but like I said, it's a lot warmer out here than it is in there. I, yeah, so, but through an invite, which it's, you know what, it's, 
Um, it's important the testimony. I'm going to be preaching about this a little bit today. It's, it's important the testimony that we lead, the life that we lead, because it's an example for others. Uh, they used to be neighbors with the Borstals, and they got wise and moved. And uh, no, they were they were neighbors and got to know them, uh, moved away, came back, and, and living in a different part of the general area still. And but they became friends, and the testimony of the Borstals impacted, and they invited the church. And uh, they came, and for whatever reason, they stuck with us, you know. And But I'm thankful, but they're an awesome family. Please get to know them, their, his wife and his children. It's good to have his mother in the house as well today. So, But uh, I just asked him, would he like to share something? He said he'd like to share a little bit, so I thought I'd give you the opportunity to just tell what, what Jesus has done for you. Uh, first of all, he's brought me here. He's yeah. brought me to James, and I got to know the whole family and been blessed. I I honestly can't think of life before I Jesus came into my heart and honestly I was very 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 fast paced very fast paced towards the uh, towards the wrong end of the road I guess you could say and uh, James actually he he followed God for a long time and he's actually been one of the leading causes of me going towards Jesus and. Um, yeah, I'm just very thankful for him and thankful for my wife as well. Uh, not that you're over her; she's over you. But, but um, it's but, a good uh, thing. Yeah. That's wisdom. Yeah, yeah, that is wisdom right there. Thank God you're following Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but my wife, she has been my saving grace, and uh, she has been the smack in the back of the head. I guess you can say so she's been keeping me straight. And uh, thank you, and I love you, babe. That's awesome. That's awesome. Amen. Yeah. Don't be too macho that you won't take help because that first little step's a little bit of a biggie. Yeah, you gotta just sit down with your feet down there. So, Amen. I love to see lives transformed. Um, you know, yeah, it's all right. You'll catch your breath in about five minutes when you get out. Um, I love the testimony. I love the fact that a godly wife, a godly mom, didn't stop praying, didn't stop interceding for this man and it's good that your children are able to witness this because you are leading an example for them as well and, and to God be the glory buddy on profession of your faith Zach in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior go ahead and just plug your nose and hug yourself alright I've got you it's my privilege to baptize you now in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit I got you I got you I'm going to let you have. You're good, bro. Wait a minute. He didn't get all wet. Get back down. No kidding. <laughs> His wife said, make sure he is covered. Come on, give a shout. Do something out loud. Come on, come on. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, you may be seated in the house, and if you would, very quickly, once again, God is going to try to do a miracle today. We're going to see how great your faith is. Because it's... I won't tell you what time it is because you already have looked at your watch. As soon as I said, find your seats, you looked down and said, oh, Lord, help us. He's just now starting to preach, and it's 1131. I know my people. I know my sheep. I understand those bad. And it went bad. I heard. I heard. That's okay. I'm going to give you the word today as God has a word for us. And it's important that we hear today what the Lord is telling us. Um, I know it's already been announced, but very quickly, as you turn to Acts 6, if I failed to say that, very quickly, uh, ladies, today at 4 o'clock, come on out. If you don't have a pair of new flip-flops, come on out anyways. It's going to be a, a lot of fun, this, this time of fellowship. You don't have to have flip-flops, okay? 
to come. If you have a pair, bring them. I've seen what they're going to do. Uh, matter of fact, what you ought to do if you're married is bring your husband's flip-flops and let them do dad's his flip-flops and let him. But anyway, come on out at 4 o'clock right here in the fellowship hall. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. Just having a good time. Leave the kids at home, right? Leave them with your husband. Whatever you got to do, come on. Don't let your kids be an excuse for not coming out and fellowshipping this afternoon. And guys, you, if you're, if you're married, you have kids. Obviously, I always speak to married guys. I, I apologize for you single guys. You blessed men of God. Um, but anyhow, Thursday night, we're going to be meeting up at Sonny's Barbecue. So come on out. The van will be leaving the church. Uh, if there's enough people who want to ride the van, uh, JW, stand up, JW, face everybody. That's, look at that handsome guy. Man, it's a good thing you got a pretty face because you have no hair on your head. But anyways, love you, buddy. He's gonna he's agreed to drive if there's enough people interested. So you want to ride, come up to the church and ride into town. Uh, get up with him right after service today. It's going to be Thursday, this Thursday. Uh, 6.30, I believe, is when we're meeting at Sunny's. We're going to have a little room set off to the side. We're just going to go and eat and have a good time and just fellowship. Amen? All minds clear? Everybody's good. All right. Real quick, deep thought. You ever have these deep thoughts? There are ones I have these deep thoughts. The I was thinking about a balloon of all things. And I come to the conclusion that if a balloon is half inflated, it's actually still full. Yeah, it is. Even though it's only half inflated, it's still full of air. So that's just a deep thought. And some of y'all say, why did he bring that up? To make you think for just a minute. All right. Well, we will begin. We will pick up today where we left off in the book of Acts chapter 6. I've been uh, preaching. This is, I think, the 21st, 22nd week of messages that I've preached out of this book um, that's very powerful for us today. Today we're going to be looking at a man by the name of Stephen. Actually, I named this, titled this Stephen, a model for us today. I, I'm still firmly believing in the Word of God that the outpouring of God's Spirit, the empowerment of God's Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit of God is still for us today. And with that, God wants to empower us to do great and mighty things. We've already said it. The, the most important thing is, is to empower us to be witness. I love it because we had several people come down today wanting to be filled with the Spirit because they wanted to be a greater witness for the kingdom of God. I love it when people, the light bulb goes on and says, I need that encouragement. I need that power. We've also found out last week, I'll hit a little bit more on that, comes that there's a lot of benefits from including the wisdom, the supernatural wisdom. But my, I am firm believer that it's for us today it is to help to transform us even more into the image of Christ. If we are to live our lives as Christ lived our life, He walked around praying for people. He walked around laying hands on people. He walked around and people were healed. He fed them. He did supernatural things and He lived a supernatural godly life that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if we are to carry on the ministry that He left here, we've got to be transformed in that image to do it effectively for the kingdom of God. And we have to understand that. Today, we're going to be looking at Stephen and, and his character, his model for us to follow today. But the teacher in me wants to point two things out from a, from, a, from a teacher standpoint. Can I put my teacher hat on for just a moment? Because what is happening here before we look at Stephen is we're seeing a transition in the book of Acts. Okay, we're seeing a transition in the book of Acts. Starting in Acts 6, because of persecution, uh, the gospel is going to leave the Judea, Jerusalem, Judea area, and it's going to be heading northeast into Samaria and into the known world at the time. And this is a fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What he said, he says that, but you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes up on you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? First in Jerusalem, 
and Judea. That is phase one. And we have to understand this. That it's important that we, we, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. This word witness literally means martyr. What we're going to find out in the weeks to come is that Stephen is going to be the first martyr. He's going to be killed for the gospel, but he doesn't back down as we're going to look at today. And we have to own this. We have to understand that there are people who are, are who, do, who do, if they die today, are going to, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And it's okay that you're going to heaven. I know I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But there's been a mandate put on our lives to be empowered with the Holy Spirit so that we could go out and be martyrs. That means be willing. When we get saved and we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there should be a zeal about us that we want to just burn the woods up for Jesus. We want to go out there and share Jesus. There would be no fear, no backing down. We want to go and we want to tell people about the love of God so that we can snatch them out of the grips of Satan's grip, snatch them out of the, the, the future of hell so they can spend eternity with God. We have to understand this. If people don't receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to spend eternity in hell. Does that even move our hearts today? Does that burden us at all today? We need to be moved. It's great that I'm going to heaven. Woohoo! But what about my neighbor? What about the man at the gas station? What about that young lady that's going to wait on you today at lunch? Does she know Jesus? We have to be empowered. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, martyrs in Jerusalem and all Judea, phase one, and Samaria, which is phase two, which is where we're about to get to, and the ends of the earth, which is phase three of the book of Acts. You could literally, literally outline the book of Acts through these three phases of the spread of the gospel. Now, up to this point, outside of the Jewish leadership, the church has enjoyed favor with the people in Judea. There's going to be an increase in persecution starting in Acts chapter 6, which will lead many Christians to leave the Judea area, like I said. And we're going to finally get to Philip, who ends up in Samaria and shares the gospel with the Samaritans. A second observation is of this chapter. Up to this point, the advancement of the gospel has been centered around Peter. On the day of Pentecost, they were all 120 were baptized, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's Peter who gets up and preaches, and thousands of people are saved. It's Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, who pray for the lame man who is healed, and he goes into the into the temple. And it's Peter who gets up and preaches there, and thousands of people are saved. It's Peter before the Sanhedrin when they're arrested, who gets up and preaches to them about Christ. And and and, and it's Peter who who we see moving in the church, who's leading the church. It's Peter centered around Peter, but now. The gospel advancement is going to advance through Stephen and Philip and eventually Saul, who will be name will be changed to Paul. Understand that this is another transition. What does this tell us? That it's not just for the twelve where Stephen and Philip were deacons. And I need you to understand today as we look at the character of Stephen, it, it wasn't being a deacon. It wasn't a title that gave him the character that we're going to look at today. It's because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and had this character that they elected him to a position of leadership. Eventually, Saul slash Paul would be called an apostle. But what I want you to grasp is this is for every believer today. It's now moving from the main leadership of the twelve apostles to down to the people that at the church level, at the ground level, the boots on the ground are going to become the common person who attends church. And God wants to empower you with His Spirit so that you go forth because many hands makes the work light. God wants to see the gospel spread. Tell us God wants to use everybody. He wants to empower you and empower me to spread the gospel. Stephen is an ordinary person who does extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. 
Because the hand of God is upon him. And as we look at Stephen and Philip and how God used them, be reminded that God wants to use you in the same way. And that is the message of the book of Acts. It begins with 120 and it focuses on one, but now it's going to start focusing on the multitudes and it's going to spread like wildfire when it does. So as we look at Stephen, it's important to understand this is not just for a select few. This isn't for me only. It's not just for the pastoral staff. It's not just for the deacons. It's for you. It's for everybody. So let's look at three things here in Acts chapter 6 that we can see about Stephen. And the first thing is obvious, and I'm going to try to pick the wheels up just a little bit here um, about Stephen, but I want you, I just don't want to, I want you to understand this is who you can be today. If you don't have the church app, get the church app. All my notes and scriptures, I'll probably jump over some. It's for you today. So let's look at it. First thing I want to notice is that he had supernatural character. I have learned what a person does in life is pretty much determined by who they are. I can tell a lot about you by what you do and what you don't do. I can tell a lot about what's priority in your life by what you do and what you don't do, right? We know this. Your character is what is known is what you are known by. It's what you do, it's what you think, it's what you say. Character, integrity is what you do when nobody's around. You can learn a lot about people and their habits by just watching them. Stephen is a man who has incredible character when we look at it. And I want you to notice five components. First thing you need to notice is, and I believe all the rest of them come from, I believe this is the key. You know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace? You realize without the first one, love, you're not going to have the other ones. It's the same way with these characters right here. Until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, the rest of these characters are going to be hard, characteristics are going to be hard to come by. But the first one is he is filled with the Spirit. He is baptized. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Look at chapter 6, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. They will turn this responsibility and turn this responsibility. And last week we learned that was the care of the widows. Look at verse five. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith. We'll get to faith in a minute and of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to turn here. It'll be on the board. But chapter seven, verse 55, it says, but Stephen full of of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. He was full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? We, we, we sometimes struggle with the understanding, and I'm going to spend a little time here because this is so important. We struggle a little bit with the understanding of what it means to be full. And it really just means to be full. It's like I don't have a full bottle. I don't even have a bottle. But it's like this, right, this, this cup right here being full and over, to be immersed to where you're, you are empowered, where you are covered in, in the Holy Spirit. In this case, what does it mean? It means He was governed by the Spirit. When He's full of the Spirit, it means He's governed by the Spirit. It means He is led by the Spirit. It means He is empowered by the Spirit. It means He is driven by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means He is Spirit-minded. That means that everything He does, He's led of the Spirit. He consults, or doesn't consult, but He, 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 he inquires. He, he's spending time in the Spirit every day. And, and the Spirit is leading Him and guiding Him. It's directing His thoughts. It's directing His temperament. It's guiding Him. It's controlling Him. It's empowering Him. That's what it means to be full of the Spirit. And not only does this mean that the Holy Spirit was guiding what He was doing, but it also means that the Holy Spirit was guiding what He said. Look at verse 9 with me in chapter 6. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen. 
as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Lycia and Asia, these men began to argue with Stephen. We'll get to a little bit more of this here in a little while, time permits. But they've come against Stephen. They're arguing with Stephen. But they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. He is led by the... I can tell if a person is empowered by the Holy Spirit by the words you use, by how you speak to people, how you address people. It's important that you understand that what is in the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you are full of the Spirit, if you're baptized in the Spirit, then He's going to control what you say. You're going to be careful how you speak to your wife or your husband or your children or your pastor. You're going to be careful what you say about other people who aren't in your presence. It's control. He wants. He is going to lead you. He's going to command you. He's going to dominate what you say. It doesn't say they couldn't stand up against his education. It doesn't say they couldn't stand up against his degree of philosophy. They couldn't stand up against or his knowledge. What they couldn't stand up. When you're walking with the Holy Spirit and He comes on you, He will give you a boldness. He will give you an understanding that is greater than the most educated minds in the world. A few of you believe that. A few of you believe that. He is going to help you be able to talk to some of the greatest minds in the world. God does not want us to cower before the unbelievers and have nothing to say, even if they're more educated than what you are. Even though they may be more versed in things. He doesn't want you to cower down. He wants to empower you. Too many Christians are afraid they won't know what to say. I hear it all the time. I don't know what to say. Then you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Well, I've been baptized. Then you need to be rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're fearful of the Holy Spirit, you, you're afraid of not wanting to say, then you need this dominating Spirit of God to be upon you, to lead you, to guide you, to give you boldness with love to speak to these people. Too many people are fearful. That's why you need the baptism. He will give you the words to say in boldness. This is what Jesus said in Luke 12. Luke 12, love, Jesus said, when you are brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself and what you will say. He said, what are you worried about? For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You may not know what you're going to say, but at that time, He's going to tell you what you need to say. Stephen, a man, is a man who is filled with the Spirit and his words are prompted and empowered by the Spirit. Second characteristic I notice about Stephen in these scriptures, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, is in verse three. He is a man full of, full of, again, wisdom. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. That full carries on to wisdom in the Greek, the way the Greek is written. We will turn the responsibilities over to them. Now I know I mentioned this last week about supernatural. Uh, wisdom, but this is this is something I believe the Pentecostal church forgets. We we, we get enamored by the spiritual gifts, and, and I, I'm I'm there, but we forget about the practical things that the Holy Spirit does for us. And this is one of them. He will give you supernatural, not just wisdom, but super. You may already be wise in some ways, but he is going to empower you supernaturally to be even more wise than what you already are. He's going to take your natural gifts, and if you don't have it, he's still going to empower you. He wants to give you the wisdom, His wisdom. The baptism of the Holy Spirit not only gives you boldness to witness and the power to see signs and wonders, but He gives you this ability to have a wisdom that is beyond yourself. Stephen was full of the Spirit and wisdom. And this is the idea that Stephen was what? He was dominated by God's wisdom. He was controlled by God's wisdom. He was directed by God's wisdom. He was governed by godly wisdom. Stephen is a man who is dominated by godly wisdom. He has wise thoughts. 
What is godly wisdom? Well, I wrote down here, godly wisdom is the practical application of godly principles to your life. It is, it, is, it is that. It's the, applicable, it's the practical application of godly principles to your life. That is what he's governed by. Those godly principles. He had divine wisdom solve problems that he could not do on his own. Wisdom would have also been seen how Stephen made other decisions in his life. It's a wisdom how to live your life. It's a wisdom how to make decisions. Many of you in here are trying to make decisions. You need supernatural wisdom. God's going to give you some of the answers. Reality gives you all the answers, but you're going to have to have that wisdom, that supernatural wisdom to know this is what I need to do. He lived by the practical practical application of God's Word. Wisdom. Third characteristic that we see in Stephen was he was full of faith. How many of y'all need a little bit of faith in your life? I need a lot of faith. How many of y'all, what is supernatural faith? Supernatural faith is the faith to believe beyond what you're able to believe for yourself or for somebody else. That, that's really what it is. Verse 5, this, this proposal pleased the group, the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He was not only dominated by wisdom, but he was also dominated by faith. He was governed by faith. Are you governed by faith? When the bad news comes, are you governed by that faith? That says, oh, my God can supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Are you guided by that faith that says no weapon formed against me will prosper? Are you guided by that faith that He will order my steps because I am a righteous person before Him because of what Jesus' blood has done for me? Are you guided by that faith that believes beyond what you can believe in your own mind? See, every person is created with a measure of faith, we're told in the Bible. That's the only way that you can be born again. And when the Holy Spirit draws you and you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that little bit of mustard seed faith, if we want to call it, it starts to grow and it starts to multiply. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, now it takes that, that faith in the Word of God that you've learned through the Word of God through having a relationship with Jesus, and it supernaturally takes this Word and it, and it grows your faith to the point that you actually believe that what's impossible to do is now possible. You believe it. It's beyond, beyond doubt. You know it. It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you live your life. See, many followers find themselves like that father over Mark 9.24. He had a son who was demonized. He kept throwing himself in the fire and drowning himself. Jesus comes off the mountain from the Mount Transfiguration and He comes down He's healing people and the father comes to Him and says, look, this is what my son's doing. Jesus said, do you believe? He says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. See, it's often it's easy to believe for other people, but it's hard to believe for ourselves, see. And we're, we're like that. We, but that's where the supernatural faith comes in. Stephen wasn't like that. He was full of faith. How does that happen when a person is filled with, dominated by, controlled by, led by the Holy Spirit? One of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of faith. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give all believers this gift of faith. Supernatural faith that propels you into a place where you can, you can only believe for something that you ordinarily could not believe for. Forgive me for stumbling over my words. My personal conviction is that when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, one of the first gifts He wants to give you is this supernatural faith. Because otherwise, how are you going to know to speak out in a tongue or give an interpretation or lay hands on somebody for healing? 
or, or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. All those over in 1 Corinthians 12, those, those, those spiritual gifts. How, how are you going to do believe for a miracle if you don't have supernatural faith? That's just me. I, that's what I believe. I, you don't have to agree with me. I believe God wants to give them all to us, by the way. He wants them all active. They're there. But this supernatural faith. See, what stops many Christians is that they waver in their faith. And when you do that, you forfeit some of what God would do for you. Let that sink in for a minute. Now, that doesn't mean that we judge people's faith by their answered or unanswered prayers. That's never proper. It's never proper to judge somebody by the answered or unanswered prayers in their life. I'm not saying judge their faith because we all know that, that our faith, our supernatural faith, can move on behalf of people who don't even know Christ. We pray for, we pray for the needs of unsaved people all the time. So we know that, right? I already mentioned uh, you know, a few miracles, but the paralytic, I think I mentioned that earlier. It was uh, Jesus healed the paralytic, lowered into the roof because why? The four friends. He said, man, your friends, I'm going to heal you because of your friends' faith. Or the centurion who approached Jesus and said, my servant's sick. Jesus says, I'll go with you. He says, no, you don't need to go to my house. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. I'm a man of authority. I understand authority. You speak it, it's done. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith. His servant was healed because of his faith, not a servant's faith. So we need to be careful how we judge people on answered or unanswered prayers in their lives. But your faith can bring about a healing of someone, regardless of the condition of the person's life spiritually. Every one of us is baptized in spirit can operate in this kind of great faith. But whatever point we are wavering in terms of believing God, I think this is important for us as our church as we're moving forward and through this study and what we're seeing God do. And this is week three. We're seeing people come into the altar. We're seeing miracles. We've, we've had a, a miracle mentioned, not mentioned, but performed this week in somebody's life right here in our church that we've been praying for. Um, we've seen people save the greatest miracle of spiritual salvation that we can't do that for ourselves. Only God can. We're seeing people rededicating the lives of the Lord. We need to understand we have to have this faith and we got to believe if you're a new Christian, you've got to believe the work of God. The Holy Spirit is done in your life. Don't let that seed be stolen. But we have to understand we need this supernatural faith so that we don't limit what God wants to do in our lives. James 1, 5 through 8 says, If any man lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. The context is, God, I need wisdom. I need direction. I need you to show me what to do. Verse 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. That's faith. That's, that's having faith. Because the one who doubts or doesn't have faith is like a wave of the sea blowing and tossed by the wind. Lord, I believe you're going to do this for me. Oh, but what if you don't? God, I know you've got, you, you're going to heal me, but oh, mm, what happens if you decide not to heal, heal me? God, you know I need this. Oh, but what, what am I going to do if it don't? See, that, that's, the, that's the wave. That's the, the toss and that's the turning. That's the unstable mind, which is what Jesus says, or James says, rather. James says, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unable and, and unstable in all their ways and all they do. We've got to be mindful of this. This is why we have to come to a place in the Lord where we say, I need you to touch me with your power to make me where I can, can, can go and do what I normally cannot do on my own or believe on my own. Stephen was a, full of man, a man full of, 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 of this type of faith. Is this resonating with you? I'm not getting a lot of amens, but I don't judge my preaching on that. I understand. Understand, there's a lot to take in. Some of you are questioning. Can I have that without being baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
You can have wisdom. You can have faith. But God wants to take that wisdom and faith, that power, to a different level. That's what He wants to do. He wants to change your character. He wants to transform you into the image. That doesn't mean the physical image. You don't have to grow long hair or, or beard or all that kind of stuff, right? I'm talking about He wants you to have the character. Of, this is the character of Christ, what we're looking at right here. Stephen is a, is a, is, is a, is, is a character. He has the character, the qualities of Christ. Notice next, he's full of grace. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. What is Luke talking about here? Well, we know there's grace, right? Well, what is grace? If I ask you right now to give me a definition of grace, most of you say it's the unmerited favor of God upon your life, right? What is that? There's saving grace. There's common grace. There's natural grace. There's sufficient grace. It's all grace, but it comes in different forms and fashions. And what he's really talking about here, he's saying that Stephen had the favor of God. Y'all remember my New Year's series I preached in January? Of course you don't. Y'all don't remember. But I, I, I preached that I believe this is the year of the Lord's favor on this church. We looked at Jesus' life as a young man and the favor of God was on him. Remember we talked about that? It's the favor. It's that unmerited favor that God wants to give and put upon all of us. The best way to understand this is, is, is God's favor is resting on Stephen. Favor is influence. He wants to put that supernatural influence, favor on your life. Uh, what is that? When God's favor is on you, you have an influence where normally you wouldn't have and where other people don't, whether it's with people, an organization, or whatever the situation may be. Favor is effectiveness. Similarly, when you have God's favor upon your life, you're gonna, God's going to do things in you. You're going to be able to do things that normally you wouldn't be able to do or other people aren't able to do. You're the guy that's going to go and find, a, a, as my dad likes to say, a, a, a pile of horse manure, and you're going to reach in there and pull out a $100 bill. That's just God's favor. Uh, God's favor on you. You go down to do something, and where somebody, you go down to the city, and I'm praying for the county, that they'd show favor, God's favor be upon us. You go down there, and they say, oh, you don't have to worry about pulling a permit for this, or you don't have to worry about that. I'm praying, Kyle. That's how I'm praying. God's favor be upon us. Oh, you don't have to give us that kind of money. What? That's just God's favor where everybody else may have to pay that. That's just the favor of God. That's what he's talking about. It affirms the things we do by God's presence upon us. When people walk in your presence, they say there's something different about you. When they come on you in your home, they say there's a presence here of God like I've never known. Or your car. You, they step into your car, you know, and they say, wow, there's something special in here. That's God's favor. The hand of God, the favor of God, the grace of God is a multiplier in terms of what happens in your life to move you forward in God's purpose for your life. That's favor. See. It's God's presence on you. Favor is God's preferential, preferential treatment toward anyone whose heart is devoted towards Him. The closer you are to God, remember I talked about that? It's kind of like God walking around. I, I think I used the analogy of an umbrella, and that's His grace. It's, is this favor. And as we as we walk closer to God, man, that favor just we start benefiting from the favor. Uh, not not because he we're special in any way, just because we're closer to him. But we know from Chronicles there is a time where those who honestly and sincerely seek him, he's going to pour out his favor on those people. Stephen's full of God's favor. Finally, notice he is full of power. Verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great. Great mean mega, unbelievable, massive wonders and miracles, miraculous signs among the people. 
And the word did there in, in the Greek, and, and I know you guys don't care about Greek, but I want you to understand what that, what that word there did or how it's written. It, it's, it's, it's in the imperfect tense. Greek's a little different than, than English. Imperfect tense. So it's kind of like me saying when I lived at home, I did the yard, yard work. That doesn't mean I did it one time. That implies what? That when I lived at home, when it was time to cut the grass, I, I did the grass, the yard work. That's what this is implying here. He had a continual display of the power of God in his life. And this is one of the things he became known by the people. One of the characteristics. Power of God. What I find encouraging is that Stephen is not, like I said earlier, he's not an apostle. He is a deacon, but that only reason why he had the title is because of the qualities he had. He was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. This means God can use me, and I'm suggesting that God wants to use you in a similar way. I believe that today, church. He wants to use you and He wants to take your character. He wants to form it into the image of Christ and supernaturally empower you so that you can do great exploits for the kingdom of God. I believe that, church. But you have to believe that. He wants to do that in your home. He wants to do that in your place of work, your place of business, where you go and recreate, where you relax. At. He wants to do that among your friends. He wants to do that, use you that way in your church. He wants to empower you to do these things for His glory and for the benefit of those around you. So this is not confining it to Stephen. This is for anyone who will believe. God can and does want to use each and every one of us. Now for time's sake, I'm just going to give you the last two points and we're going to close, okay? I'm going to be true to my word today. The other thing I want you to know is that he had supernatural courage. We may revisit this in weeks to come, but what you're going to find is this group of men these from the synagogue of freedmen come against Stephen, and, and he goes up against them with their wisdom, with the power, supernatural wisdom. He, they cannot compete with him, so they get angry with him. And basically what they do is they raise a false witness against Stephen. And they bring him before the Sanhedrin. He becomes the first martyr. He will give his life for the gospel. But what I want you to know is he did not back down. If you look at the rest of Acts chapter 6, they're going through verse 15. You'll find that he stood up. He did not back down. He did not give up. He didn't feel overwhelmed. He didn't feel overpowered. It was many against one. He had supernatural courage. See, we need that. You need that. You're not going to have that in any measure without the empowering of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And then when you get down to verse 15, I love this. I'm going to read this. Guys, jump to 15 if you would, Daniel. He had supernatural countenance. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked, and that's the ruling 70 plus 1, the 71 leaders of the Jew Jewish religious group there, looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Face of an angel. Standing on trial, suddenly the glory of God emanates from Stephen's face. He has the countenance of God. That's what that means. His baptism in the Holy Spirit changed Stephen from the inside out. He had the countenance of having been with the Lord. What does this communicate to us today? I know it's kind of a quick message. I kind of went through my points. Go back and get the notes. What is, what is, this, what is this communicating to us today? God gives us the example of Stephen. Understand that Stephen's life was written the way it was written under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as Luke had written it out. 
Everything there is for a reason. What is this telling us? When you're walking with the Lord, this is telling us you need power beyond your own. You could be saved and not, not taking your salvation away. You're going to heaven. But so often we struggle in life. We struggle with our witnesses. We struggle with our past. We struggle with addiction. We struggle. We struggle in our relationships with our spouses, with our children, with our co-workers, with our pastors, with our Sunday school teachers. We struggle. And what you're trying to do is do it within your own power. And God says, I've got a power beyond your own. You just have to be willing to receive it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't see this as an option. If you're not saved in here today, I encourage you to give your heart to the Lord and then begin this. It doesn't have to be saved and then months, years later, baptized in the Holy Spirit. You could be saved and filled with the Spirit all at the same time. I don't know why we make it a, a second act. Let's just go ahead and do it all at once. If you, if you have been saved and you're not seeking because you don't think it's for you, I encourage you to go back to the book of Acts and all the other letters after the book of Acts. Go back before the book of Acts and look what Jesus even said. And say, how do you think you can live your life for the glory of God without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Yes, you have your word. You have the word. You can try your hardest to live by it. But I guarantee you right now, if we took an anonymous survey, many of you always say you struggle with the everyday things of life. And if I asked you if you baptized the Holy Spirit, you'd probably say no or yes when I was a kid. But when was the last time you was baptized with the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you allowed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come on you? It's not a one and done. Salvation is a one and done. It should be a one and done. But the empowering of the Holy Spirit is not a one and done because you leak. You leak power. Whether you use it or you don't use it, you leak power. You need to be empowered. You need to be empowered every day because you don't know what that day holds. You think you know what your plans are. You think you know where you're going, but you don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know who you're going to run into. You don't know what things are going to happen in your life when you leave the house that day. Oh, you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to take on this world so you don't panic, so you don't fret, so you don't have emotional breakdown, so you don't have to run and hide and go into a closet. You don't know. You need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to give you that wisdom, to give you that courage, to give you that knowledge. Come on, somebody that's going to help you overcome what you're facing or what you come against. If all you want to do is arrive at heaven safely, God bless you. But you're going to have a hard time with that. You're going to struggle. Jesus said, I came to give you life. But He didn't stop with life. He said abundant life. That doesn't mean He wants everybody driving a Mercedes or a big truck or, or whatever you think it is. He wants you to have life. He wants you to have a productive life for His kingdom because it's not about you. It's not about me and you and our comforts. Tell Stephen. Tell Paul. Tell the apostles all but one gave their lives for the cause of Christ. And the one that didn't, he was boiled in oil and, and sent off to an island. They tried to kill him, but Jesus says, No, you got one more letter you got to write, and that's Revelation. You got to let the world, you got to let my people know that the suffering's going to come to an end one day. See, we don't like the word suffer, do we? We got a theology that said, I ought not suffer because I'm a Christian. Show me that in the Word of God. If that's the case, then we don't need the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need supernatural wisdom. We don't need supernatural courage. It's because we do, we need that powering of the Holy Spirit. Because we do suffer in this life. We do. There is suffering in this life. And that's where we need God's empowerment and strength to come alongside of us. 
to encourage us not to give in. Not to give up. Not to go back to the old self. Not to go back to the old ways of coping with the stresses of life. Addictions and things like that. You need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, when you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, the things of this life fall off of you. You're like a wiggler. You're trying to put on a hook, buddy. It just slams right off your hands. We need this. Why? Because there are some things that will not be evident in your life that are normal in the lives of those in the book of Acts who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up if you would. The book of Acts is showing us how it looks in a church where God is moving. We're starting to see a little bit of that, aren't we? We're starting to see some manifestations of healing. People coming to the Lord. Spirit baptisms. I believe somebody got refilled with the baptism this morning. I forget who it was. But something came up on that person because I could sense it. I could feel it. There was a change in their, deme their demeanor. See, we need this. And He wants us to have this supernatural character. He wants you empowered by the Holy Spirit. He wants you to have supernatural faith, supernatural wisdom, supernatural favor upon your life, that courage, the power. He wants you to have all of that. God does. That's the good news. God wants you to have these things. This isn't your pastor just saying it. It's in the Word of God. He wants you to have it. He needs you to have it. So you can do what needs to be done. These are the things that should mark our lives and be obvious to all. These characteristics open the door for people to trust you. When people start talking about you, see, they said, you know what? That, that person, they, they speak the truth. That person lives out what they say they live out. I sense something different in that person. I know I can go to that person. They pray and they really believe. That's what should mark you as a believer of God in this world today. See, this text this morning is not for you just to know about Stephen. It's for you and I to be like him as he was like Christ. He wants to have that supernatural courage stand up to people and tell them the truth and love. And God wants us, just like Stephen, to have that supernatural countenance that when people see you and know you, they know you've been with Jesus. Remember Peter and John before the Sanhedrin? They wouldn't touch him because they knew they had been with Jesus. May we all be known by that mark, that characteristic. So this is a call for you and I to spend as much time with Jesus that people can sense the Lord when they're around us. Amen? That's what God wants for our lives. That means you're walking in purity. Hear me. If you're having a struggle walking in purity, then you need empowering of the Holy Spirit. You say, I've been baptized. I want to say again, you need to be baptized again in the Holy Spirit. He wants you walking in purity that doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. Impurity, sin, grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? And he wants to have, and he wants a power. Let's have a power that's beyond our own. A power that comes because you haven't quenched the Holy Spirit in your life. Purity and power. God wants that for you because God wants you to use you. God wants that evident in your life. All it takes is you being saved and desiring and filling the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use an illustration the Lord laid on my heart. Actually, it's funny. I'd seen this before. Brother Jim used it two Thursdays ago in our seniors' luncheon. A lot of people struggle with what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm going to show you what it means. 
When you're saved, I've already mentioned this, but you're saved, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, you're born again, what happens to you is the Spirit of God is implanted within you. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's alive in you. But then there's a baptism. We understand baptism, don't we? From the water standpoint, it's the old self covered in the blood, the new self. Old things are gone. Behold, all things become new. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's not that you're not saved. It's just that you're not, I'm going to use the word covered or empowered. It's, it's not, he's in you, but he wants to be on you. On the day of Pentecost, it looked like there were flames of fire, tongues on their head. That wasn't in them. That was on them. I learned another deep thought this week. Maybe this is time I need to put this in there. We always say things are on fire. Do you know that things are not on fire? It's fire is on things. Things are not on fire. It's that fire becomes, becomes up on things and consumes things, right? And that's the way the Holy Spirit wants. He, he wants to come upon you and He wants to immerse you in His power. He wants to dunk you and can keep dunking you and empower you. And as you come up, it explodes on those around you. He empowers you and He changes you. From the inside out, eventually the outside is going to reflect what Jesus has done on the inside. And what happens so often is we get that baptism and we come up and we use it and before long, we dry out. And we get caught up with spousal issues or work issues or vacation. Not against vacation, I'm just saying. There's distraction. It's amazing how God starts moving in people's lives, comes upon them, changes them, and suddenly something changes their routine and before long, they're back in their old routine. Ball season. Dance season. Not against these things. It's just what happens is, is you, 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 you get distracted. You get busy. Summertime. Warming up to get in the pool. Let's just go hang out in the pool. It's a, just, let's go to the beach. Hey, I got a boat. Let's go to the lake. And we, and we don't spend the time with God that we ought to. We dry out. We get old. We get crusty again. We get bitter. We, oh, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying that you're not covered in the power anymore. And God says, no, it's a daily thing. You need to come back to the water. You need to come back to the power. You need to be immersed again and again and again. You think I get up here on Sunday mornings and not spending time during the week, and especially on Sunday mornings, on my face before God? I can't do this on my own. I've struggled today with the anointing. God help me without the anointing. He wants to empower you that when people see you, oh, why are you wet? Why are you different? What is that about you? Oh, it's the power of the Holy Spirit active in your life. And that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us. He wants to do that for you. But are you willing? Do you want that? Oh, pastor, I don't know. I'm a little afraid. Don't be afraid. If it's of God, there's nothing to fear. And I know you say, if. I'm convinced it's of God. And if it's not, then why is it in the book? Either it's real or it's not. If it's not, shut the book and let's join some other group. I'd love to join the Let's Go Fishing to the Beach on Sunday group, right? Joking, 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 joking. Okay, it's okay to take time off we need to. I just don't want to be ordinary. Aaron, I don't want to be ordinary. I don't. And you can be ordinary and you can go to heaven. But I want to be extraordinary. And I don't want to go to heaven by myself. 
You say, well, Pastor, I'm going with you. Good, but I want to drag some people that, that don't know Jesus along with me. And I want to introduce them to the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. That's Jesus Christ and His empowerment upon my life. All right. Now, what do we do, Pastor? Very simple. I don't care. First of all, if you're not saved, here's your altar call. God wants to save you and He wants to empower you to do the things that Stephen did, that Peter did, that John did, that Paul, we're going to study one day, that Paul did. If you're saved and haven't been, why aren't you seeking? And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then why don't you come down for another dose as we like to say of the Holy Ghost? It's real. You say, well, I don't understand it. Right? Do you understand salvation? Because Lord knows I have a hard time understanding how God would die for me when I'm a sinner. I don't deserve it. That doesn't make sense to me. The same way. You just have to ask, believe, and receive. And then start acting. How do you know you're saved? I know I'm getting long. Hang on. Someone needs to hear. How do you know you're saved? Well, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. And the Bible says if I do that, I'm saved. I, say the pr- I said a prayer. How do you know? Because you believe what the Word says. That's the beginning of your faith. How do you know you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? Ask and receive. And then you act. How do you know you're saved? I believed it. Then what did you do? You started acting on your salvation. You started reading the Word of God. You started getting into a small group, learning about the Word of God, just being a disciple, becoming a follower of Jesus. If you do, you start living your life. Your, t- your talk changes. All right? But when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's the same way. You start living your life with the empowerment of God. And that's what you want today. I'm, I'm willing to stay here all day and pray with you. But if you come up here, I want you to believe it's for you and that you will receive it, not tomorrow, but today. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.